The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. We're in the thick of 
uh, the high school basketball season picking up a lot of the holiday tournaments, college basketball season, conference play starting to ramp up. Uh, college basketball Saturdays are officially back. So many good matchups throughout the day. It's hard to keep tabs on all of them. And then which ones you want to go back and watch after the fact, uh, just keeping monitoring all the box scores. Um, it's overwhelming, but we wouldn't want it any other way. So I'm doing well. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I tried to, I actually did watch some stuff live today. Uh, I normally am not a live watcher, but I figured I would today because there was so much on. Uh, I was hoping to watch Gonzaga, Texas Tech play live, but Terrence Shannon Jr. ended up not starting or playing today. At least I don't think he ended up playing. I was watching the second half still and he, he hadn't played yet, but um, I'm not sure what's up with that. I think he had some kind of back thing pop up late. He still did shoot around, but um, so that ended up losing some luster for me. Uh, Georgetown lost to TCU today. It props to TCU for being nine and one now, but I mean, they beat, they've beaten Texas A&M and Utah. Fine. I think we, I was going through before. They're probably like the fifth best team in the big 12. This is just not a good start for, for Georgetown, man. Like it, my only salvation is that Aminu Muhammad's playing well, but, um, yeah, not a great season, not a great season so far. And the big East is only going to be even worse. So, We'll see how it goes, man. Um, we have a lot to dive into today. I think the first thing that we we want to talk about uh, is Jaden Ivey. That is our, our main subject today is Jaden Ivey and, and how we want to talk about, um, you know, what he's looking like, his leap that he's taken, and uh, maybe contextualizing it a bit more. I know you and I both went through a lot of Purdue games recently to, to kind of get an idea of where this is at. Um, the first thing, which before we even talk about Jaden, like granted, I've only been watching college basketball for like a decade. I think Matt Painter's had a team there. I mean, obviously Matt Painter's been there since like what, 2004, 2005. And there have been some really good Purdue teams, but, um, obviously this team lost to Rutgers earlier, which we'll probably talk about. But, um, I think this is the best Purdue team that I've seen in my lifetime, which I think factors in a little bit into the evaluation, which we'll talk about more later. But, I mean, this team is ridiculously talented. They have weapons all across the floor. Obviously, Jane's a big part of that, but obviously Zach Eady. Uh, we'll talk about Travion Williams later as well. Um, this team's just loaded, man. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely give Carson Edwards and that 2019 team a run for their money. Uh, obviously, they ended their season with that thriller in Virginia, but I think this team could go further than they did. And a lot of that is in part to Jay Nivey. Uh, we're going to talk about Trevor and Williams in a little bit, but Jay Nivey is their star NBA prospect. And he's kind of larger than life right now in college basketball at another huge game. We're recording this on Saturday. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but obviously in the box score, I, last time I checked, he was six of six from three, which uh, seems pretty good Can't to me. confirm that he was awesome today. Um, and it's not even like Butler's that bad. I think Butler was seven and three no. headed into today. Uh, they just looked like a D2 team playing against Purdue. Like, I mean, Jaden, I think three of his six shots were off the dribble. Like he had a left to right cross into a into a side step three that was just money. Uh, part of it obviously is shooting luck, but also he was just gunning. Like looked incredibly confident. Um, it was very nice to see. I think he's up to what I I'm trying to check right now. I think he's at 46 percent from three, which is a number when you look in, yeah, at very 40s. yeah, it's kind of insane. Uh, yeah, 46.2 percent per Bart Torvik. Um, I guess. Do you, where, where do you want to start with him? Do you want to start with talking about the shot? Because I do think that's probably been the – not probably. I mean, that has been 
arguably the biggest uh, point this year that has jumped up for him. Yeah, I think I think we can start with a shot. Uh, there were a lot of Jaden Ivy truthers quoting some synergy AAU numbers over the summer, maybe some max prep numbers, deciding on how wonky you wanted to get and how much um, reliability you wanted to push aside to push your agenda. But he seems real from there. I have notes in here that like his feet, I don't know what is going on there. And at the end of the year, I am going to go back and watch every one of his three-point attempts and chart whether there is some sort of correlation between the makes and the misses and the attempts where his feet go straight up and straight down and the ones where they sprawl out and go everywhere in directions that I didn't even think were possible. So that's definitely something I want to monitor and also watch the shots from today and see if he's kind of kept things more tight knit or again, he's just making shots and it doesn't matter. Uh, he's, I liked his verse. I've liked his versatility. Um, he's been comfortable with some range. He's coming off off ball actions. He's a really good cutter. And we saw that in FIBA and he's starting to use that as a relocator as well. Like he's, his movements are so sharp and obviously the speed is there with the ball and he's starting to leverage that off the ball, which is awesome to see. I do think the shot, like, I don't think he needs to be in the forties as a three point shooter by any means. Uh, I think as long as he's getting them up, and as we mentioned, the range is there and he can kind of play through that off the ball. It's cool with me. Um, I think he is more of a combo. I'm happy that Purdue hasn't really employed him as a primary. I think he probably initiates most of the offense out of the guards, but they most definitely play through their bigs, um, whether it's Edie or Trevion. So I've kind of liked the role he's in, being able to play it off of the advantages that they create when they're in the post, um, Painter and their coaching staff draws up some incredible stuff for him where you just get him moving, whether it's DHOs, backdoor cuts, um, just anything to kind of compromise the defense a little bit and make things a little bit easier on Ivy. But yeah, I think the shooting we can start off is like much improved from last year. Obviously, I think it's becoming apparently clear that his freshman year was negative anomaly. Um, it wasn't. And you kind of thought there'd be some progression to the mean and there wasn't all of last year, but it's happening this year. Um, I think he's probably mid to high 30s three-point shooter i would say um depending upon the volume i don't think he's this sniper that he it showed today maybe but hey i mean everyone's good for a couple heaters every once in a while yeah and i think the biggest thing too is like this just helps because he's the kind of guy like he is the level of athlete i think where um he is going to get a closeout regardless because of the burst that he has if he catches the ball um, kind of like, you know, how we've talked about with Kendall Brown a little bit. Obviously, it's slightly different looking more to guard. But, um, you know, in terms of thinking about what this does for him, I think it's huge. And like 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 we mentioned, it's huge for what he's done this year. Uh, I agree. Like, it's still – I'm like, like you mentioned, with, with him not being, you know, given mostly primary reps, his usage is actually down slightly from last year. Um, I think that's what makes it interesting with the three-point uh, because – I mean, part of what helps is they screen really well at Purdue, which is something that I always enjoy. But like, it, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that his shots aren't hard. But like, I just am curious. Like, if you are a primary guy taking self-created threes, it's going to look different, especially because like we talked about in the past, his uh, his shots pretty set still. Like, even watching today, like some of the stuff yep. he did off the dribble, still mostly uh, like very little. Uh, I can't even think the height off the ground. Um, and again, that's not everything. Like, I think the fact that it's going in is what matters. Um, I've just been really impressed overall with the shot. Uh, I guess we can, we can parlay that into talking about how he is as a passer, because I think this is where it gets interesting, especially just, you know, look at the box score, three assists per game. That's not everything. Uh, 
I'm not entirely sure what to make of him as a passer yet. Like his best moments as a passer seem to come out of transition, in my opinion, or, or especially like, you know, as he's getting the ball going downhill, um, which is a large part of his offense too. And just looking at everything overall, where are you at with him and, and seeing some of it? Uh, first of all, I do want to tip my cap to him his game as a passer because he might be the king of uh let me make this pass look much cooler than it needs to be <laughs> yeah um, and you everything is a shovel have to respect that <laughs> yeah and as someone who likely if they ever had a mixtape would have been a lot of drop-off passes you have to respect that um but in all seriousness i do think his passing is a little bit wonky to be honest um he misses a lot of the advanced reads that would have that i would like him to make uh, there whether it be a lob or just windows that like oh, okay that's like two two more steps below the, like through the defense um i think he's capable of collapsing and making kickouts and i think that's why we're going to talk about the advantage creation like i have some issues with him at the second level on um, the reads he makes and the counters and whatever and how he finishes and we're definitely going to talk about that but in terms of getting to like when he collapses the paint i trust him to make kickouts and drop offs and i think you saw as a freshman as well um that's why I don't really buy him as this primary guy who's going to just like get to the league and just take over through duties from day one. Cause I do think the playmaking is a little bit behind. Some of the reads are delayed. He's not seeking out these next level reads. And I'm not even talking about manipulating the defense. It's like, Hey, that window's there. Like you're going to have to look really hard for it. And you're going to have to throw a really damn good pass to execute it, but it's there for you. Um, He's not really even hitting those yet, which again, if you're, we're talking about an off guard who is going to slash and collapse the defense and get paint touches and either kick it out or shovel it. Like that's okay. Um, and I think he da- he did make a couple of nice reads, especially in transition, as you noted, when like he's working off an advantage and that's still noteworthy and good to see. Um, I just do think it is worthwhile that like there are levels to every assist and I'm still kind of waiting on him to make the, that pass. So I'm like, Oh wow. Like I didn't expect that from you. And I don't really think that's been there yet. But I will give him credit. Like there are a lot of guys, especially scores and slashers, where they'll get in the lane. And you're like, okay, make that pass. Like you're waiting for them to make it, and they don't make it. He's been pretty timely on those. I, I don't know how if you would agree with that, but I think that's what really jumps out to me. No, I would too. Like to me, um, he's one of the interesting ways of looking at a guy. Like obviously, it's not tit for tat. Like looking one on one with something, but it's very similar to me with a guy like De'Aaron Fox, like somebody who has that insane downhill burst can collapse the defense. It's just going to be, okay, how do you rep this out? Or how, how do you end up employing him to get the most out of him? Like even going back and looking at like a younger DeMar DeRozan before he became the pastor that he became. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Jaden, but just somebody who has really good physical gifts can bend a defense for you like a primary, but isn't going to necessarily create for you like a primary, uh, and obviously he's different from either of those guys in a lot of ways, uh, especially in terms of the shooting and how that's looked so far. Um, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think there's a lot uh, kind of like, obviously to a lesser vein than Kennedy Chandler, but in terms of like, like we talked about with Kennedy, like if you want him to be that quote unquote primary from what he's doing, you need a little bit more. And I feel the same with Jaden, even though he has a lot more as a score to offer. Yeah, no, it's really interesting because when I was kind of talking, I was like, this sounds a lot like Kennedy. I think Kennedy yeah. is a little bit more uh, creative and more adept out of the pick and roll. But yeah, he's, also... he's a much better passer, but just in terms of like comparing roles, for sure. No, 100%. But Jaden is also 6'4 and projects better, much better as an off guard. So like they, I think that's what makes it me much more willing to you know, bite the bullet on 
what I don't want to even say his flaws, but kind of just what he isn't yet as a passer, which is an advanced playmaker. And who knows if that comes around? I'm not sure. Like, I think that's probably one of the harder things to develop over time, but it happens. And like, who am I to project six or seven years down the line and tell you what Jaden Navi can and can't do. But I think this is a good segue into the creation stuff because I loved the point you said. I, like I, if we had thumbnails, that would be it. Like he bends the defense like a primary, but he doesn't like play make like a primary. Let's talk about him bending the defense because in that Rutgers game, especially in the second half, uh, it was every single possession. Yeah. So I actually, unfortunately not get to watch the Rutgers game. Oh. I watched the NC state game. Uh but I agree. Like, it's the same thing. Uh, like you talked about, like, I think what's so uh, incredible about what he can do in terms of bending a defense, part of it is that it helps with Purdue having a lot of other pressure points, like how they use Trevion Williams, like, again, what we'll talk about later. But, um, like, they run him out of Chicago action a lot, especially with Trevion in the game. Uh, and, I mean, they – he is, he starts getting overplayed so much in the NC State game where they're just like, okay, we'll just have you – you're going to go on a hard cut and then 45 because they're overplaying you so much. It's an open basket um, in terms of the gravity that he gets out of his motion. Like, like, again, looking at somebody like James Booknight last year, who just has that, that I mean, Jaden's even, even quicker, more bursty than the book night by a mile, but in terms of like getting that kind of gravity flowing off the ball um, and what that does for him, I totally lost my train of thought. Yes. Okay. So talking about standstill stuff or like looking more at creation, um, I, it, I I don't know. Like, I don't feel bad about his standstill creation, but a lot of it is uh, kind of cross until you get somebody moving their feet and then use this, the, the arm swipe and go. Um, it kind of feels like watching him windshield wipe a little bit. Like, he always uses the off arm to brush somebody's side. Um, that's, I'm not, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I was wondering, like, is that, is that something that stands out for you? Like, is it, is it a good or bad thing? Like, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but. My two biggest takeaways that I'm like firm and they like kind of rub me the wrong way. One of them hundred percent is like a big flaw and worry for me. The other one, I'm just like, this is hilarious because like it still kind of works and he has no idea how to leverage his best skill. And his best skill is the burst. He is blazingly fast. Um, there's a clip in that Rutgers game where he catches like a slight run out at half court and he just all like, he's just gone. Um, un- Untouchable reverse layup, two points. I texted this someone the other day, like, to me, he plays like he's playing NBA 2K with with no fatigue on. Like when you're pl- <laughs> yeah. when you're playing fatigue when you're oh, playing dude, yeah, fatigue, he just keeps moving side to side until he can get and, somebody moving, and then he's like, "All right, and then I'm going." It's it's to be honest, incredible. So it's a little bit of the East West to me. For me, it's more of just like spamming North South. Um, and like when you're playing 2K with fatigue on, you're like, "All right, I'm going to walk the ball up the court. I'm going to walk when I set up my ball screen. Then I'm going to hold RT and go." Ivy's just like I'm like. Oh, what? Like, I'm just gonna sprint now. I'm gonna sprint now. Like, I'm gonna try to turn the corner here. And it's pretty crazy because like, I genuinely don't really feel like he has, he knows how to fully optimize his best weapon yet, which is that burst. And he's still getting paint touches more often than not. Like, that's kind of scary to me. It's like, hey, what happens when someone teaches him how to like properly set up a ball screen or get your guy in jail and then explode past a drop defender? Like, these are things that Obviously, if your feel as a ball handler, it comes with live reps and it's easier said than done to teach, but he's kind of just rolling with it out there and it's still kind of working. There are instances to me where it rears its head and that's what I was kind of hinting at with the second level. Uh, His lack of counters at the second level and just 
unwillingness to abort the mission, whether that be to kick out on a straight line drive or to Euro step or to like pro hop and then pivot. It's not, none of it's there. Um, He does not have the deceleration button right now. No, there is no deceleration. There's not even a, Hey, I'm going to sidestep the help. It's I'm, I made up in my mind that I'm making a predetermined straight line drive and I'm going, whether that be a tough floater, whether that be a contested underhand scoop, whatever shot I'm getting out of it, I'm taking it and we're going with that. And that's what scares me a little bit is I don't doubt his ability as a driver because the speed is there. He has a shifty handle. Uh, the counters he has in his bag at the, on the perimeter as a handler are there. And we've seen that. It's more of the um, his drive his mindset as a driver when he gets to second level he just seems very married to whatever he was predetermined to do on the perimeter. And that's a little bit scary to me. So like, I think he, I don't have much worries about him as like an advantage creator on the perimeter. I just have some concerns with what he does at the second level when he gets met with help. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's very much so. Uh, I don't mean to keep pulling comps, but it's just like, kind of like how DeJounte Murray, when he first got in with the Spurs and, and was getting more usage, like, he was one of the best drivers in basketball and that, I mean, he still drives a lot, but it's in terms of where it's going to, like he went to the rim a ton his first year when, when he had more primary usage, but did not finish well. And a lot of that was because, I mean, I think he was uh, drawing chart. I mean, he was, he was getting charge calls like every other drive because it's just full on full force to the rim, trying to get a layup in. And I, I do wonder what that's going to look like in terms of finding out that sweet spot for him and, in leveraging his speed, but also, and, and I mean, even like, again, it's not a straight comparison, but like he is way faster than Jante Murray, like, which is crazy to say out loud, but like, uh, I, I, I totally agree with you finding, finding that sweet spot between jacking up some of these kind of gross floaters and push shots and, and awkward backboard touch things. Like how do you find ways to say, okay, look, there are three guys here. I'm not going, I'll, I'll get to, um, I'll get to the, to the corner of the box and kick to the corner because I have that much gravity. Like, how do you, how do you leverage that and find that? Like, that's going to be a big thing for him, obviously moving forward. Um, I guess like you mentioned his handle, where are you at with his handle? Because I agree. Like I, I guess shifty is a good way to put it. Um, I haven't felt bad about his handle at all. Like I, uh, it doesn't necessarily stand out as a massive strength to me right now, which isn't a bad thing. Cause I do think there's room for it to, to improve for sure. But it's like mostly pretty compact, compact to me. Um, he obviously doesn't turn over the ball a shit ton, which helps. But um, I mean, where are you at with him right now? With that, so his ball, his ball control was. I don't. I don't know if you had like picked up on this. Um, to me, it just kept popping in that NC State game. Like he got stripped a lot, and then that kind of came to fruition in the Rutgers game as well. I don't think it's because his like handle is bad. Like he's just playing a million miles per hour, and he's just like sprinting towards yeah. the rim. Um, I actually do like his handle. Like, as you said, like he's very shifty. He can create space. There are a couple of clips from earlier in the year of him just throwing like nasty unorthodox counters at his defenders at the point of attack. I just think he doesn't utilize it enough. Honestly, like I'd love to see him set up a ball, like set up his defender. Like I, I'm blanking on a complete word. I'm completely blanking on words here, but like set up your defender, change of pace and snatch back, like right to left, get to the lane and go that way. To me, it's just so much of the same straight line drive straight line drive straight line drive that i think he probably like underrates his handle himself um i think he could definitely use it more as a weapon while creating from a standstill and i think he just trusts the straight line speed and i get it because it works sometimes but 
does it really work? Um, and to me, my question would be like, yeah, you're kind of getting by your first offender, but you're also going so fast that in order to get by your first offender, you're just running recklessly into the help and throwing up an ill-advised shot. Like, did it really work that time? Or could we have been better off taking a different route? So for me, it's more about challenging him to win in a more diverse, in a more diverse ways. Not that the straight line burst is bad and not, obviously it's pretty ridiculous, especially when he has some open space, but I remain very high on him, honestly. Like, I, I think it would be a little foolish to get too low on him because of these concerns. They are very real concerns. Like, I'm not moving my ground on them. Um, his finishing, his lack of finishing craft is a little concerning. Um, the lack of change of pace and just awareness as a handler is concerning. But everything else is, like, pretty overwhelmingly impressive. How do you, how do you feel about the defense? Because I think... Um, coming to the year, he was maybe billed as like a, this two-way guard. I think the defense been has been a little bit inconsistent, but he really popped to the point of attack in those two games I watched. Yeah. Um, so I think a great way of looking at it, like you mentioned him getting stripped, and that's how I feel about the defense to to kind of tie that together. He has very zonal vision. Um, like it's I I think there's a tendency to just be like, oh, you know, he's a space cadet or whatever. I actually think it's kind of how he sees the court in some ways. Like um, he doesn't see digs at the nail super well, in my opinion. I think that's where a lot of his turnovers come from. And then also just looking at the way that he plays defense, like he has his head on a swivel, but the problem is he doesn't feel any, any, any movement or pressure when it, wherever his head is not. Um, and so that's resulted in a ton of backdoor cuts. Um, I do agree. Like, I think the point of attack defense has been good. He's actually got pretty good screen navigation considering that he yep. his like his technique getting over screens is not great, but like he gets over them. Um, I I didn't. I'll be completely honest. I don't have like a great feel for him as a nail defender. He, he I feel like we haven't really seen him do that a ton. It's a lot more of just being at the point of attack getting over screens. Um, but yeah, the off ball defense is definitely a work in progress. Like we're we're going to need to see a lot more from that moving forward. But um, I am curious to see how much he can improve that. Not that he can't, but. Um, like, I just think that there are guys who have that kind of vision where they maybe don't always like it's it's harder for some guys to see everything like that. So I don't know. We'll see on that. But um, I I agree. Like, I came away mostly impressed with his, his point of attack defense. Yeah, I'll definitely echo the screen navigation. I think one of the more crowning achievements you can have in screen navigation as a guard is forcing an illegal screen because they were trying to keep up with you because you were so properly attached to the handler. And that happened in, I think, maybe the Rutgers game. I would also echo that the off-ball stuff is a work in progress. He has his flashes for sure, and the flashes are so fun because they usually end in him throwing down some ridiculous dunk on the other end. Uh, But he has his lapses as well. He'll get back cut. um, He has his fair share of, and you probably shouldn't have given him for that. Like, I'm all for it. I'm all for especially when you do have instincts, and it seems like Purdue is letting him free reign there are some times where you got to weigh the risk reward and I've been a little bit underwhelmed with his decision-making in that aspect. Yeah. Um, but on, on the bright side, like you mentioned, um, I think it was on Darion Sebron. Um, he had a weak side block coming over from, <laughs> from the left side that ended up being a transition dunk. And it was just beautiful. Cause I was like, this is the kind of stuff that you want to see. Like, I really want to see him become better as a low man. Cause I do think like, he is one of, especially in, in terms of looking at a place like, all right, if you're playing in Denver, like Denver is probably not going to be bad enough to draft him. But point being like, if you're playing in a place that's going to ask you, even if you are a guard to, to rotate as a low man, occasionally, if, if let's say your big's playing out closer to the top uh, of the key, 
Um, like, can you, can you do that? And I do think like he obviously has the burst, the quickness, and he does have some of the timing instincts too, to make it happen. It's just going to be about putting it together more consistently. Um, like I, I really do think there's the upside there to be uh, definitely better than a neutral defender in the NBA. Yeah. I think consistency is the main word and the main takeaway for this end of the floor, honestly, for him. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to hit on with him before we move on? Um, looking through my notes, not really. Uh, it was mostly about the disparity in his ability at like the first level defense versus second level. I think that's what's really stood out to me. Shooting obviously has been super good. And the point of attack defense, I, I think those were my main takeaways that I want to hit on, along with the passing as well. Well, one last thing I want to hit on with him. Uh, oh, I guess I have two things. Like, number one, I am right there with you as well. I didn't mention it earlier, but, like, I think you and I are pretty close to being in the same boat of, like, yeah, he – I mean, he's he's pretty much solidified himself as a top-four guy right now as if this holds up throughout the rest of the year, um, which, again, Big Ten play starts already. So, who knows? That could change. Um, but I do think it's going to stick because he's been that good. The other thing, though, does it bother you at all that he doesn't have any real mid-range craft or propensity? Like, I don't think it's a huge issue, but, like, I think I marked it down. He's taken 23 mid-range shots this year, which is pretty low considering how much he has the ball. Um, where are you at with that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just another feather in the same cap that we've kind of been harping on. It's him taking a mid-range pull-up would signal that at some point it triggered his mind, oh, shit, I'm not getting to the rim this time. And never do I ever walk away from watching a creation attempt with him that that thought ever crosses his mind. Um, So I'm obviously not surprised. I would like to see it just because, not because I I so think he needs it in his game, but more so it would signal a step in the right direction in terms of process. Hey, I'm going to get a first step. I'm going to get a step and then I'm going to get into a little floater. I'm going to, I'm going to get a step sidestep into a 15 footer. I would love to see that. And I think that'll come with added pace and added experience on the ball right now. It's just full speed ahead all the time. So, yeah, I mean, I think that worries me, but it worries me for the same reasons that the other things worry me. I I don't think it's a newfound concern that he's not a three level scorer is he going to be good enough to be an off-ball player? Like, I, I don't really buy all that. It's more so yeah. that it just is another piece of evidence that his process as a driver is straight line till I can, and we'll go from there. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, well, let's move on to Trevion Williams, somebody who I am extremely excited to talk about. Um, I, I don't really know what else I can say other than like, he's the best passer on Purdue. Like, if you really think about it, they don't have – outside of him, like, they don't really have any plus passers at their positions. Like, Sasha Stefanovic is fine, but really he's just making quick reads. Um, like like we've talked about with Jaden's playmaking, it's fine. But, like, again, not, like, primary or anything. Like, Trevion Williams is by far the best playmaker on their team, and I think he's a big reason for why they have the number one offense in, in college basketball right now. Um I mean, where do you even want to start with him? Because he's he's an extremely fun guy. I think you're having you're bailing yourself out by saying best passer on his team. Like, yeah, obviously he's a better passer than Ivy. Like, don't let's not brand that like it's a hot take. Yeah, because I think I mean, other than Taryn, I haven't seen Jordan Hall yet, so forgive me here. But like, other than Taryn Armstrong, he's probably the best passer I've seen in this class. 
regardless of position or anything. Um, the reads, the execution, the timing, uh, it, a lot of it is out of the post. A lot of it isn't. Him on the short roll, recognizing a second side help, making them pay, and the velocity. Um, someone, Brian, I'm going to completely butcher his last name, but I'm going to say Brian G was in my mentions, um, talking about the velocity and harping on that. And I'm just so glad that he did further discussion about Trevion and what makes him so good as a passer. Uh, he's just firing absolute bullets with no windup. Um, it's pretty incredible how he just throws the ball all over the floor and it looks nonchalant, but it's on the money and it's on a frozen rope. He has been probably my favorite player to watch in all of college basketball this year. And he is making himself a very real case to be like a first round prospect. Um, I know we talked about that off air. I know you're probably right there with me as well. Uh, he's undersized. He's a little chubby, I guess, is like the nicest way to say it. But man, his touch, his ball skills, he it's not just attacking short roll. Like he will rip drive, cross over and get to a floater. Just uber skilled, buttery touch. The defense, he's getting to the level. I have about like three to four clips in just a two-game sample of him just taking guards lunch money at the level, like way out above the break. Obviously, he gives up a little bit as a rim protector. He's a little bit undersized, limited as a vertical athlete. So you're going to bleed that a little bit there, but shows flashes of great verticality. And I think you can make up for a bit by a bit by being a little bit more aggressive in screen coverage. I think he shows that. Um, he can get a little bit too aggressive. He's been caught reaching for steals a little bit. But, um, man, he's just been fun, good, and just he's real. Like, this is a real thing. Yeah. Um, I'm stalling really quick while I look something up because I have a, I have a point that I want to make really quick. But I am there with you entirely. Like, I was probably more impressed with him today watching Butler. I mean, watching the game against Butler than I was with, with Jaden. That's saying something. Like, Jaden was, was really damn good. Um, here's my point. And this is not just to make it completely about a Purdue thing, but would you consider him a better player right now in his senior year um, or not even a senior year? Like, I think that's something we'll talk about too in terms of looking at age, but uh, especially as the pod goes on. But uh, do you consider this version of Trevion Williams right now a better prospect than Caleb Swanigan was when he was almost national player of the year? Yeah, no, 100%. Okay, I just want to make sure. So, like, just to back up our claims, you, you mentioned first round. I think some people would see them be like, this dude's a senior. He's an undersized big. Okay, Caleb Swanigan went 26th in the in the 2015, not 2015, in the 2017 draft. I'm sure you can argue that. Obviously, in hindsight, it doesn't look great. Um, a lot of things didn't go Caleb's way, if we're being completely honest. But also, like, I do think that you can make a very real case for Trev Trevion in the first. And I, I would agree with you, especially with how – this class has looked uh, outside of the top four, uh, top eight, however you want to slice it. Like it's up for grabs, man. And the way that he's played too, like I think if people don't have a great grasp on him, they'll they'll look at, at Trevion and be like, oh, he's just he's a big who has to play out of the post. Uh, yeah, he can do some stuff as a passer, but what does that mean? Like if you have to play in the post that much to get your playmaking, does it matter? And I think yes. Like with what he does, it it it's it's a good thing, or not even necessarily a good thing, but it's not a bad thing. Like I think, you know, like when you're looking at somebody like Namias Cato last year, who does have real playmaking chops, but it was pretty much exclusively out of the post. Like he wasn't an awesome DHO guy. It was mostly like, okay, can can I draw to you and, and and kick a pass? I think with Trevion, it's different because A, I think he's a better post player than, than the Myas Keita, not to slander him. Like Trevion's just awesome on the inside. 
Like he's got insanely good footwork. Um, and like you mentioned too, like his handle is freaking good. So uh, like he pulled uh, somebody out in the NC State game. He pulled somebody out to the to the perimeter and just like put them put them to sleep. And his cross right to left is insanely fast too. Like just uses his full wingspan, gets out there, hop step into a into a layup. And like his touch is really good around the rim. He like you mentioned, he has the floaters. He's good at using the glass. He's shooting fifty one percent on far twos right now for Bart Torvik. So, like, he's not a three-point shooter. Like, he's a guy who I think could maybe expand his game out there, but I don't even care about that. I think it's more, like, in terms of talking about somebody playmaking out of the post, are you a good enough post scorer to warrant it? And I think he is, especially in terms of talking about, like, if he's playing as a bench figure or something like that. And also, too, he's so good operating as a DHO uh, DHO or post hub and and finding ways to utilize his playmaking that, that better gets players involved. Like, I think he's... It's not solely on him, but he's been a big reason for Jaden finding more success this year because of how he's able to leverage his playmaking along with Jaden's uh, uh, just speed and gravity to, to get the most out of him. Um, like I buy him as a very real prospect. And like you mentioned with the defense, like he has very quick feet for somebody his size. It's not even just for somebody his size. Like he moves well. Um, I think like you mentioned too, his hand activity very good. He can definitely be over aggressive, but um, I see it with him, man. Like I, I really think in terms of just looking at what he could be in the league, like I think he's somebody who that you don't necessarily want to have to build your bench around somebody, but I do think he's somebody who could slot in and, and be somebody who is a real plus for you as a bench big and maybe develops into more as his game expands. Uh, I guess the only question would be, on his free throw shooting, like right now he's shooting 60%, which is a career high, going back and looking at him. Does that bother you at all? Um, or, or not yeah, even I mean, bother you, no. but like where are you at with that? Because I do think that factors in. I don't really buy him as a shooter, but I don't really think it matters. Like he's yeah. a center um, with ball skills that can play make and shoot floaters and make positive decisions and get to the level. And I just need people to put their money where their mouth is. I'm tired of people on Twitter praising these archetypes that all they want. We watch the NBA playoffs. Oh, I want someone that can get to the level. I want a big man who can be a DHO operator. I want a big man who can make decisions on the short roll and not just make one dribble. Like I want someone who can take two to three dribbles and make a decision. And then here he is right in front of you and you don't want to entertain him because he's undersized and he's a senior. It's like, no, he's right here. Like this is the guy that you've been drumming up. And that was kind of what I was getting at with my tweet where I kind of, it was like, it wasn't slander, but it was like, hey, this is the guy we all should all be looking at, not Coloco and Williams. While they might be impressive in their own right, we see these guys day in and day out, and we're very aware of what they can bring to the table. We're very aware of their limitations, which are they have very limited ball skills. They are slow processors. They are more effective in drop coverage. They can protect the rim. Sure. Like that guy is very good for some teams, but then I had, we see people all year long saying how they want playmaking bigs who can give you defensive versatility against ball screens. And here he is, he's right here. Like, I promise you don't, I don't want to get so caught up in the shooting. Like, obviously there is a ceiling. He is undersized. He is older, like, but he's been so good and so dominant. Like I, I just, I don't really know what else to say, but in theory, like I could talk about him for hours because 
everything he does, like he's been one of the better players in college basketball. I said it earlier and like I said it now, like I think he's a better college basketball player to Purdue than Ivy is right now. Oh, Ivy yeah. is by like, far and away the better prospect. But like pure basketball players, he is so good and impactful for them. So obviously BPM is a bullshit metric. Like it's not very good. <laughs> we're being completely honest. But do you want to know what his BPM is right now? It's got to be in the teens. It's 14 and a half, which is yeah. absurd. Like, that's wild. Like, Jaden Ivey is 9.7. And that's really damn good. But, I mean, 14 and a half is insane. Like, yeah. that's that's just crazy shit. Um, it just – And I think – I do – Oh, wait, go, go So, I was just going to say, I like, had the biggest contradiction of all time. I was like, I don't even know what to say anymore, but, like, I could talk about this guy for hours. It's just because, like, I'm sort of out of words on how – we all we do is we praise these archetypes and we praise give me a big who can give me versatility on both ends. I want someone who can be, as you mentioned, DHO hub. Like everyone wants to be like the Warriors and play in space and get guys who can make decisions on the fly and have all five of their guys that can attack the bounds. And like this is your guy right here. It's all in front of you. And he's doing it for one of the best teams in the country. You like I understand they want to start Edie. I don't really know how you can't start Trevion. He's just been so damn good at this like this far completely kept them in and won them certain games so far. And I just like, don't know what else to say in the sense that this is the guy that we are all clamming for. And yes, would it be dope if it was a 6'11", 19 year old? Of course it would be, but that's the draft. There's no perfect prospect. So like, let's take what we can get and actually embrace Trevion for what he is, which is a incredibly skilled scheme versatile defensive big who aesthetically does not look the part but skill wise when you really break it down to see who checks all the boxes like this is the guy that more people are looking for yeah and i think it's interesting too i would i would say like zach Eady is really fucking good man like yeah. i know it's it's <laughs> different like i think trevion's a better player obviously and a, and a, and a better prospect but like um like the fact that they can go from zach Eady and what he it's does crazy. like literally <laughs> just like Having Edie and Ivy playing off one another is kind of insane. Like it, that's two of the biggest gravity wells in, in, in college basketball right now. Like you cannot leave Zach Edie uncovered in the post or, or even close to it. Cause he's, he's really good at catching. He's incredibly coordinated for his size. Um, and they're good at getting him the ball too. And so you have that. And then you go from that to having just, okay, we're playing a little bit more closer to five out with how we have things spread out uh, with Trevion playing the five. And it's just, I mean, that's why they have the best offense in basketball right now. They're insanely good. Um, to go back to, to a little bit more of an overarching point, though, part of what I think people need to maybe, and not to tell people how to look at things, like this is just how I look at it. Like I think – especially in looking at Trevion, um, like the next stage for me in how teams are going to fill out their rosters is in trying to have 48 competent minutes of play. Because I think so much of the last 10 years or as long as I've been like closer to basketball, it feels like everything has been about, you know, building the best lineup possible. And I, obviously that's important, but I think there's a real deficit in how teams construct their rosters right now in terms of just building everything to have like the best five man unit possible. And it's important, but like, okay, what if we had a really good starting lineup, but we also had one of the better benches in basketball, or at least instead of having uh, you know, like, like looking at the Hawks um, last year when, I mean, not last year, two years ago, 
when the Hawks are consistently a negative with Trey Young off the court because even despite their talent, they just have no way to play that made sense for them and keeping everything going and, and being at least a neutral, like, okay, if we can get really talented basketball players who know they might not be starters, but if we're able to like bring in a Trevion Williams and play a little bit differently, uh, alter how, how we, how we run our offense uh, and, and just change things up and have a more diverse second unit. Like there's real value in that to me than in just trying to fish for archetypes and guys who, who might pan out into something. And again, that's not meant to slander towards anyone, but I just think it's more like draft good basketball players, because I do think sometimes that that can be overused. Like Trevion Williams is not just like a guy who does some, a bunch of things. Okay. Like he does things really damn well. And I think he's just too talented to not draft. So yeah, that's, that's our long spiel on that. Unless you have anything else to hit on. No, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much all. But yeah, you hit it. Like draft good basketball players. Don't go fishing for archetypes. And like, I just do think um, everyone has gotten a little bit too low. And I, I keep saying everyone acting like there's people I'm subtweeting. It's just like the discourse that I myself am also included in. I think it's like, oh, you can catch lobs. You can protect the rim. You're big. You can be decently effective in drop. Like, yeah, there's a spot for you and i'm not saying that there isn't i just feel like it, it just like settling a little bit in my opinion like yeah. you can i don't want to say you can find those guys anywhere because you can't find any type of guy anywhere it's like a little bit of an ill-advised take and just i feel like it's just pretty naive but i do think it is selling yourself short a little bit like trevion is someone it might not work out but at least i knew what i was swinging for and if it hit I found myself a rotation big who can more than spice things up coming off the bench, employ different players in different positions, take the ball out of your your seventh man who's a scoring guard and allow him to play off the ball a little bit more. Like there's just having a guy like that who's that super, who's that skilled, if he hits, just opens up so much more for you and gives you just a higher ceiling of like netting out result from that pick than hey, we're just going to settle for the guy who like we think has an NBA skill set because he's tall, can catch lobs, and protect the rim. And, like, I know this is coming off as like really slanderous after he praised Coloco like a couple weeks back, but it's just like I want to urge everyone to be like a little bit more open-minded because I see someone Trevion's skill set, and I'm like, that's the guy like, I walk away from with the 20-second pick, and I'm like, I could have gotten a steal. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I think this this leads us into a really good part into but before we talk about the rest of, of what we want to on this podcast, I guess the the overarching question that kind of comes in with me for this is where are you at with how important age is to, to when you're looking at the draft? Because that's something that I'm still I'll, I'll be completely transparent. I don't know how to factor that in. Like, obviously, I think um, like I know that it's in some ways better to. It, not not better to draft a younger guy, but there's maybe a little bit more to work with. Maybe someone's a little more moldable, moldable if you're looking at somebody who's an 18 and a half year old freshman compared to a 22 year old senior senior. Like there is a difference there, but how much does that factor in for you, or, or or how do you look at it? I'm honestly still figuring it out, and I do think I evaluate it in a case by case um, way. Obviously, that can seem a little bit. Uh, contradicting because it's like oh you care about it for this guy you don't really care about it for that guy it's not necessarily that to me i'm like very confident evaluating age and implicating it into how i develop priors Uh, like if there's if there's like an 18 year old kid playing uibl versus the kid who's 16 nine months like this kid who's 16 and nine months gets leeway that's a rather big gap for me 
But when we're talking about like 19 versus 20 and 20 versus 21, I know someone like Wendell Moore is very young for his class, but like that doesn't mean that I'm going to throw out his freshman season. Like he's still a freshman playing college basketball and was not good. Will it matter? I'm not sure, but I don't want to just throw out that entire data point because he was a little bit young for the class. Uh, I don't know. And it was especially some with like Trevion. I think with him, I'm more willing to push it aside because what you're getting him in the twenties. And at that point, you're pretty much just looking for someone who's going to stick. And in some cases being ready to contribute immediately can help save your career. So you don't just get bogged down at the end of the bench and then put in bad situation after bad situation. So sometimes I'm more inclined to push this aside. Obviously Chris Duarte is like the most fascinating case of this, in my opinion, who was like very much an, like, I think he was probably a lottery level prospect if we're taking out age, maybe even like a top 10 guy based off skill in that class, top 10 to 12, but he was incredibly old as a college basketball player. So it's like, I don't, but to, one thing I do want to say is I don't think it's as simple as, Hey, Duarte's 23 years old and we have this 20 year old wing. Are you going to take, like, are you betting on Duarte as 23 year old or I'm just imagine what this 20 year old would look like with three more years of development. Cause development is not linear. And that's one point that I would say is like, take what's in front of you and what you do have. If you trust the young guy and you trust his foundation of skills and you trust that he can build on it, fine, by all means, go ahead with that. But I don't really love dumbing it down like that, if that makes sense. No, I agree. And I think I'm still trying to parse through it too, but I, I think like what you said is the best way to look at it. It's, it's a case-by-case basis. It depends. Like every guy's development track is different. Um, and I think that's especially highlighted by these three guys that we're going to talk about right now. Yeah. Uh, you posed a really interesting uh, poll that that totally started making me jog my mind earlier this week. Uh, you know, if, if I can't remember what the exact poll was, but it was like if if you had to right now, who are you taking first out of these three non one and done guard guard slash wing prospects? Ochai Agbaji. Wendell Moore Sr., I mean, Jr., uh, and uh, Benedict Matherin. Um, where, I mean, first, I guess we can do where do we want to, where would you go with that? I guess that'll probably, I mean, we could do that right away. And then it, I'm sure it'll come out as we're talking about them because we want to talk a little bit about each guy. But I think all three are really interesting kind of case studies in, in looking at how guys are developing differently or, or, or trying to evaluate where you're at with them as they develop. Yeah, so I had Agbaji first out of that group. Uh, he is shooting the cover off the ball. His game attacking the basket and converting through contact, contorting his body around the rim. Uh, he has had a large leap in scoring efficiency. He's nearly doubling his two-point attempts. I was telling you this off the air. He's gone from 4.8 two-point attempts last year, and he was canning those at like 44%, I believe, or in the mid to low 40s. Now he's shooting 8.8 two-point attempts, and he's 8.8, I think I said that right. Uh, and he's shooting them at 57%. So that's a pretty big jump, and that can largely be attributed to him shooting 90% at the rim per BART, um, which is not a sustainable number at all, and that will come back down to earth. And so I went through all those attempts today, and it is worth noting that it is a small sample size, and a lot of that is clouded by his pretty heavy dose of whether it be alley-oop dunks or runouts or just open layups, putbacks, just easy cleanup buckets that boost your point, your field goal percentage that just aren't, you aren't going to consistently get throughout the season. And he has luckily happened to have a heavy dose of them throughout the year. So it's 
currently inflating his field goal percentage. But there is a lot there, as I mentioned, of him improving finishing through contact, embracing help defenders, whether that be Euro stepping around them, utilizing his length to finish around the rim with craft. Uh, those are real improvements. And I just love how aggressive he's been in that aspect. And then from three, uh, he's just been nuclear. The, the volume is still above six per game, shooting him at about four for set, or 47%. Uh, they're off, some of them are off the bounce. He's moving. He's not hesitating at all. And defensively, I just have, was very, very impressed. Just so sound. He has multiple possessions where he'll tag, recover, keep the guy in front, tag again. Um, he's just always active, whether it be stunning on back doors, just always his head on a swivel, um, always aware of his responsibilities. I'd like to see him maybe like, gamble a little bit more. I think that's what we saw in the first game where he was just jumping, passing lanes, and his technique is awesome. Um, and not at the expense of maybe him like tagging the role or something, but it's very obvious that he sees and un- is understanding of what he needs to cover on the defensive end and maybe being a little bit more aggressive in the passing lanes is an in-season development but he's just an incredibly complete player and just looks ready to be an NBA wing at some capacity yeah and I think the best way well not best way Jesus uh in terms of looking at this I think I was trying to rack my head you know going through watching these three guys today and over the last week and uh trying to parse through where I'm at with them I first thing I did in my head I was like okay which one is the best best shooter of the three I think it's easily Ochai is the best shooter of the three like he's doing stuff off movement he's an awesome relocation shooter um does stuff off of of flare screens like he's he's a a movement shooter but not like uh I think he's only taken two pull-up jumpers this year and I'm fine with that like I I don't think he has to be a crazy pull shooter or anything um but in terms of what he's doing off movement legit uh I do think it's close though like Matherin has been freaking awesome as a shooter this year especially over the last you know like week and a half like the Illinois game it's fantastic uh, I did not get to watch the Wyoming game yet that's on my slate to watch tomorrow but I mean he's been very very good coming off motion um and he's done a lot more as a pull-up shooter as well um I, I again I still think I would I would say Ochai is a better shooter obviously Wendell Moore is actually shooting 40 percent now from three yeah. which is kind of insane and I think looking at at Wendell's everything is insane i mean he's still shooting 68 percent from two which is just <laughs> again like i think that's the what that's the uh i mean that's higher than benedict but like uh it's just all three of them have been ridiculous efficiency wise from inside the arc but um so yeah wendell doesn't have the same in terms of of coming off movement or anything like it's mostly catch and shoot i think he has the lowest three-point volume of the three but it's still been good um he obviously has less of a shooting track record than the other two. So I, I to turn it back over to you, where are you at with him? Because I don't really have priors on him. Obviously, I know I started ringing the doorbell for you the first game, and you immediately shut me down. Uh, it has been the season of Wendell Moore, potentially National Player of the Year. It's entirely possible. Um, but, I mean, what have you thought of him as a shooter this year? They're just going in. Like nothing really looks different. They're just going in. I, I do think at sometimes at some points it still is like a little flat. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but maybe it's just like aesthetically, it's not the most fluid and smooth shot, but results are results and all that matters is that it goes in. And this is like episode number four of us mentioning, hey, Wendell Moore is gonna come back down to earth eventually. He's gonna come back down to earth eventually. And like that's the beauty of doing this stuff in depth throughout the year. It's like oh, Oh, he was four for four the other night. Like, I think 
I think he was maybe one for four tonight and like maybe that'll start a trend. I don't know. Um, it doesn't really matter to me though, because the calling card with Wendell, like obviously it matters because you want him to shoot the calling card for Wendell. And I think his case between these three guys, especially it's the game off the bounce. And I think he's a, in a tier of his own in, in terms of as a passer driver slasher getting to the rim creating free throws creating open looks for himself and teammates i think that's where he's really in the tier of his own especially as a playmaker ochai made some decent reads especially getting downhill matherin they're fine where do you so what do you think do you think ochai is bigger than matherin oh yeah i think definitely he, like ochai like, looks like a full six six i think Matherin's i agree with probably you closer to six four six five that's why, and that's another thing. I think Ochai can get away with playing some three more than Matherin can. Um, and given that the fact that like their on ball game to me is relatively similar, other than Matherin's comfort with the on ball shooting. The one thing I would say though, so in terms of looking at them as passers, um, I would probably, I mean, Wendell, like you mentioned, in a, in a league of his yeah. own for sure, but I would say Matherin's a little bit better to me as a passer right now than Ochai. You know, I think I so I think he's better, but do you think it's like. I think the gap between Wendell and the next two. Oh yeah, yeah, is definitely. Like, like I like think Matherin close, and Ochai are like they're close, right? To you, at least. Yeah. yeah, but I think, and it's different too because I think Matherin gets asked to do a little bit more with the ball in his hands, like we mentioned with the pull-up shooting. There's a lot more out of pick and roll than Ochai does. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's actually been like I know, like again, I think a lot's going to be made out of his assist numbers as the year goes on. Um, but he's solid at hitting hitting the roller. Like he's not amazing at it, but if he gets doubled on the catch. He's okay at hitting the roller. Like, he's still very clearly figuring this stuff out. I have more issues with his handle in terms of his ability yeah, yeah. to actually get downhill. Um, like, I do agree that there are some self-creation slash flash moments. And a lot of that, especially if he's going to keep being this level of pull-up shooter, sure. I think that there's more to, to buy out of that. Um, but, again, this is a small sample size compared to last year a little bit. I want to see more from it. But, again, like I think, like you mentioned, I think Wendell – and, and Ochai are both just better drivers right now. Um, and to me, I don't – like, I don't know. I, obviously, it's still so early in the year. I don't know how I want to have things. I think uh, – I don't, I don't think that shooting has gotten less important to me, but I also just think what you can do after you draw a closeout or, or if you're getting guarded like a shooter matters more to me. And I don't know. Like, it would be hard for me – again, it's, it's difficult because I don't have the same priors, but – it would be hard for me to not have Wendell number one out of all three of these guys right now. Um, and that's yeah, again, like noting that all three of them are extremely close. I think all of them are bordering on lottery. So close. Um, but I mean, Wendell as a second side creator has been a revelation this year. Um, and I don't, I, again, I don't mean to speak out of turn, but like he, what he's doing as a passer has been freaking awesome. Uh, when, when we talk about the defense, it gets different though. Uh, I think you mentioned Ochai earlier. Ochai is clearly to like like I mean he takes it to another level uh, in terms of talking about like there being a clear tier. Like Ochai has been uh, like a all defense guy this year. Um, Benedict, I think as as the years gone on, I've liked his defense more. Like I still think I would like to see him impart himself a little bit more and like really make the make the offense feel him, but I think he's a solid team defender. He communicates well, um, obviously does not get beat at the point of attack very often. Wendell uh, is tough. Do you think he is not laterally quick? I think would be the question I asked you, because he does have kind of choppy feet, um, especially when he's moving on the perimeter. But 
also Duke just kind of sucks at defense right now in, in, in its entirety. Um, but, but where are you at with that? Yeah. I mean, I think I would like to see him just like rely on, he's a good frame and especially if he's going to be like a two guard, get a little bit physical at the point of attack. Um, I don't really, to be honest, he's like fine to me there. He doesn't really glare at either way. I don't think, I don't walk away saying, oh, he had some really good moments there. I also don't really think he has like terrible moments there. I think he's more of someone who's just going to be able to impact the game off the ball with instincts and just smarts. I think the defense is something I need to get a much better read on, to be honest. Like to me, I'm just like, oh, it's not too bad. It's not too good. And like, I'm sort of neither here nor there right now. Um, and I think a little bit of that is just the games I've watched. Like he hasn't been put in a position. It's something you mentioned with Ivy to really make an impression. Obviously, like some games you either show that you're a high field team defender or you're not. Like you seek out opportunities to help the help or you seek out an opportunity to dig down, whether that be at the nail or in the post, so be it. Um, he hasn't really had those. So that leads me to believe like, eh, it's probably not like a potential overwhelming positive, but I also don't want to write him off there too quickly. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty much keeping an open mind on that end of the floor. It's been the offense that's really popped for me. I mean, I think Matherin is like fine as well. Um, I think there's some aspects where he's really good. The thing with Matherin is that people I've seen him build, and especially this was true like during FIBA, it sort of died down after Canada. He was kind of getting billed as like the secondary creator who can be scalable on and off the ball. And like people who know, know me on Twitter, follow the work I do, like a scalable combo guard, sign me up, literally sign me up. Um, Anyone that can run off screens, shoot, put the ball down, put the ball on the ground, make good decisions at the second level. Like that's my kind of guy. Um, He's not that to me. And I did find myself getting more interest, interested and like higher on him when I stopped evaluating him in such a close, like, is this a secondary rather than just him being a really good off ball scorer? He's a great cutter. Math, like, yeah, he's very he, there are times where there are times where they don't feed him and they should, but his activity and timing and just ability to creep behind the defense is awesome. And as you said, that the shooting's been really good, man. Like, it's a lot of catch and shoot. And I somehow find that while, yeah, he's had his fair share of movements he gets like more catch and shoot standstill able to hop right into it looks and like, I feel like anyone, but he makes them pay and he's good. I love the mechanics. Like he gets great elevation. It's super versatile. Like I'm just really excited to see how Tommy Lloyd and that staff continues to use him. Uh, Cause he's shown a ton of confidence there, especially in the last few weeks. I don't want this to seem like I'm like shredding Matherin because he's technically last. And I think he's maybe the worst defender or has, isn't that confident as a handler. Like, these guys are pretty much all within like five spots of each other and we're in December. So like that says enough right there, but I would like to see him just lean into that off ball scoring stuff, honestly, because I'm not enthused by the handle at all. Um, he loses the ball in straight line drives pretty often. And the playmaking is fine to me. Um, I don't think it's noteworthy enough where you need to keep getting him on the ball. On the other hand, like the shooting, the cutting, the tools when he doesn't, when they aren't hindered by his handle, like now we're really talking in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, no, I, I do. I definitely do think he's a better defender than Wendell. I'm interested to see when you dive more into Wendell, what you think. Um, maybe I'm being a little bit too unfair, uh, but the, I, the off ball has been a little bit like ugh, to me. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say bad because it sounds harsh, but it has low key been kind of bad. But again, I agree. I think in terms of point of attack <laughs> with his frame, solid. 
Um, do you want to hit on anything else with these three guys before we move on to our last guy? It was very much a me guy that I made us bring up today. No, I mean, the, this three, like, I cannot wait to track them all year long. I threw it They've out there because really I, had a, I had a feeling that I was somewhat in the in the minority with Matherin last and Ochai first. But seeing, I mean, everyone had different orders, which, like, that's my favorite part of Twitter. It's like yep. when everyone just has different opinions. And, like, they're all valid. I mean, obviously, I believe in my order right now. But am I, would I say you're crazy for having it any other way? No, not at all. Um, I just think these are, as you said, and how we love with it, three good college basketball players who are not one and dones and are off-ball players. Like, how high are teams going to be willing to buy into them? Super fascinating to me, but a great, great group to track. Thank you to everyone who responded. I love when people just leave their thoughts, and I can scroll through and distract myself from school for about 30 minutes. The favorite thing to Don't do. Don't your mom hear this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, we're free to talk, Kinsey, because that's all I got for today. Yeah. Um, Tavion Kinsey is somebody who I really liked last year. Um, and I was very hopeful coming into this year when he withdrew from the draft, which I thought he should have stayed in last year, honestly. Like, I just didn't know what he could do coming back to Marshall to really improve upon other than taking more threes and hopefully making them. All right, wait, can I interrupt for one yeah. second just to get out of bit? Who wouldn't you have taken in last year's draft? <laughs> Ochai, THG, Rocco, Kinsey. I'm going to start keeping a list here. Well, all right. That's fair. That's fair. I just like, I don't know. (laughs) I think I I probably (laughs) I don't want to say I've soured on him, but I just am kind of like, uh, I don't want to sound unfair, but like if you're going back for another year, I need to see you really improve on something. And he just like, he's taking less threes this year. Um, And it's just like, that, that was the thing. I think that was the thing that held him back. I, I mean, I didn't get to sit on his, in his draft meetings last year, but I imagine that the thing was, okay, you are a 6'5 wing slash uh, two yard. We need to see you take more than two threes per game. And granted, he hit at a, at a solid rate last year. He gets to the line a ton, which is great. Like his, his free throw rate has gone up even more this year. He's looked solid. I mean, he's still averaging, what, 21 points per game. Solid yeah. true shooting. But – I don't know, um, especially in, in paying closer attention to him and watching stuff this year. I, my 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 big note was mid major Karis Levert, um, like, <laughs> and I like I mean that in an endearing way to a degree. Like he is pretty good with the ball in his hands. Like he's good coming off screens and and operating out of the mid range, but also like he's not awesome off the ball. Like he doesn't really relocate a ton and he doesn't get guarded like a shooter because he doesn't shoot. Um, he does have some really impactful moments defensively. Like I know his his again, his box plus minus kind of sucks, but that's because Marshall's defense overall is kind of abysmal and Marshall's is not a great team. So, but that's again one of the issues of like, okay, if you don't transfer to a bigger school or you don't enter the draft after having a really good year, that could happen. And it's it's not gonna look great. Um, do you have thoughts on him for priors or or have you watched him this year? I have not seen him this year, and I, my first question is gonna be how bad is the defense? Like, obviously we've said DPM isn't everything, but I have nothing else to do after you're talking about a guy that I haven't seen this year. And he is negative 3.2 defensive box plus minus and has been in the negative for all four years. Fill me in on that. I don't think his defense is bad. I don't, maybe I'm looking at things wrong. <laughs> like, I think honestly, like I think he's solid at the point of attack. Like he doesn't, he gets back out occasionally. I'm, 
maybe I need to pay better attention to it, but I haven't, I've <laughs> never really thought his defense is bad. Um, to be honest, I'm sure somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong. I, I may, I encourage it because I, maybe I'm missing something and maybe I'm not paying attention well enough to his defense, but, um, I still think there's something there in terms of looking at his offense. Uh, but I have been a little bit discouraged this year in terms of like what I, you know, watching him today, I came away just like, Oh, so nothing has changed. And yeah, yeah. it's kind of unfortunate. That's what I will say. And I, this is not Kinsey related because I haven't seen him yet, but a year four player, that's the worst thing uh, you can walk away from as an evaluator. So it's just kind of more the same. Like that's why I'm super into Ochai this year. Like, I feel like, it's different and it is different. Um, he's way more aggressive inside the arc, way more comfortable around the rim. Just you feel a different aggression around his game that you didn't feel last year. Wendell, I mean, I don't even know where to start <laughs> with him, like making shots, making threes, making pull-ups, uh, actually utilizing finishing craft. Like these were all flashes here and there the first two years and like him finally putting it together is awesome. Um, So those three guys have all been fun. Um, Obviously I have my reservations with Matherin coming into the year, but he, I mean, but the one thing I will say about Matherin is he's doing very well in a role right now. And that role is an off ball score that plays off of either a big man initiator or a point guard. And like, that is a thing in the NBA. I would just say, like, don't, no need to get, there's no need to get carried away trying to put a square peg in a round hole and say, he's this secondary initiator prospect when like, Hey, he's just doing really well as an off-ball score. Like the shooting versatility is awesome, cutting, all that. We don't need to go over it again. Um, I would just say, like, Matherin's very good for what he is, and I want to take that at face value. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I just, I just, I have to say one last thing on Tavion Kinsey. Um, I really do <laughs> like. I promise, I, 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 I am watching games and paying attention. I do think he's okay defensively. Like again, I don't think he's a major plus. I did compare him to Karis Levert. Um, but he does have moments. Like I think our, our guy Polar pointed out to me one time when I talked about him, um, like he's definitely somebody who has like zonal vision. So that's where, you know, getting back cut comes in, um, in his zone. He's good at impacting stuff, but yeah, I, I just had to get my last dish in there. Uh, is there any last thing you want to hit on before we get out of here, Jake? No, I'm trying to think about guys that I've watched recently. I do um, have notes too. So for quick hitters. I mean, do you want like Seabrom was cool? Um, I don't know how to pronounce his first name because I, I think to it's Darion. It, I, I was Darion. not, yeah, I, I don't know. I never listened to the broadcast, I'm always listening to a podcast yeah. or music. So, oh, podcast that's the I'm I, music that's pushing the multitasking boundaries for me a little bit. Um, it's easier for me to let cool. like stuff just fade into the background if it's voices sometimes for me than the music. I get that. I can I can relate to that a little bit. Um, but he was fine. I don't necessarily think he. I'm ready to call him a 2022 prospect. But the rim numbers, it's fascinating because and I was talking about this with um our guy Ben Pfeiffer. You look at Cebron's stat profile, and it's just like this dominating wing slasher, getting to the rim a ton, free throw free throw rates off the charts, and things of that nature. And you're expecting like this wildly imposing athlete who's just overwhelming with tools, and it's not that at all. It's methodical. He wins with change of pace and stride length and just creativity getting to his angles. Obviously hindered as a vertical athlete, but he was fun. Uh, the passing was cool as well. Seems just very reluctant to shoot the ball at all. So that would be a major noteworthy development if it does come along. And I think it probably should for him as a prospect, but uh, definitely worth checking out, um, especially in that Purdue game. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you there as well. I've only seen the one NC State game. I want to go back and watch their game against uh, – I think they played Nebraska. I want to watch that game uh, for multiple people. But, yeah, I was intrigued. Like, anybody who's 6'7 that handles the ball like that, like, honestly, a different guy, but kind of reminded me a little bit of watching Delano Banton in terms of just dude who's really tall, um, kind of not very bendy. Um, I think, like, I don't know. Do you get that, that read as well? Like, he, it's not that he's, like, stiff as a board, but, like, he – is not somebody who's getting low to the ground. Like he's pretty high up, um, but his drive game was was solid. Like it was impactful. It was good. I think Purdue has some real issues stopping it. Um, I again, I need I need more on him. Uh, I can't remember who the other freshman on their team is right now. I'm looking him up because I forgot to take notes on him. But Sam he Hayes. Off the, uh, he was interesting. It was the other guy. I'm trying. Uh, hold on a second. Let me pull it up. Um, I'm stalling, but he was like. He was gunning. He was gunning from three. I remember looking up his threes. He, like, takes a decent amount of them. Uh, seemed like a combo guard, so this is probably why I like him. Yeah, Turquavion Smith. Um, yeah, 6'4". Uh, he takes a lot of threes. Yeah, six threes a game. Um, he's interesting, man. Like, he came off the bench for them, I think, in that game. But um, I don't know. NC State is fun. Like, they're they're not a great team, but they have a lot of talent. Um, I'm interested to see how things turn out for them in the ACC and watching those guys. Um, did I have any other thoughts? Uh, in the Kansas-St. John's game, Posh Alexander, extremely fun, like very, very good guard defender. Uh, I would hope you are if you're 230. Um, but, like, <laughs> dude, he he looks like he's playing football out there. He's awesome. Very fun guy. Actually, like, has pretty good pace in the half court, too. I like him as a ball handler. Just not a shooter right now, which is, a, you know, if you're a point guard – you kind of need to be a shooter. So we'll see how that develops. But I liked watching him. Julian Champagny, just a quick note on him. Uh, he was kind of absent the first half of the Kansas game. And then he hit five threes in the first six minutes of the second half. It was <laughs> insane. Like his touch as a shooter is ridiculous. Um, but I came away in that Kansas game feeling like he looked kind of small out there, honestly. Like I know he's listed at 6'8". I'm pretty sure he's actually 6'6 six, six and a half or 6'7". And it showed like, I think again, the, some of the same issues pop up for him defensively. Like he really struggled at the point of attack, um, made some really solid verticality plays as the low man. And just as a low man in general rotating, which I thought was good, but also like if, if you're only six, six and a half or six, seven, like you got to be able to play at the point of attack a little bit, especially if you're in, in the NBA now, but the shooting is just so good that he's getting a look no matter what, like, it was fucking impressive, uh, honestly. Uh, I don't think there's anybody else that I took, like, a lot of notes on that that I needed to mention. Other than, like, Christian Brown, really good, yeah. uh, watching Kansas. He continues to pop for me. I just want to see him shoot more threes. He's only taking, like, three per game right now, and he needs to take more. Uh, maybe less than that. No, I won't say it. But, yeah, more, more threes, <laughs> yeah. please. I, I would like it a lot. Yeah, no, I mean, so I watched that St. John's game. I didn't really pay much attention to either one of the St. John's games. Obviously, it was hard to ignore Champagne pouring in threes in a barrage like that. But Pasha Alexander, no one epitomizes a New York City guard better than that guy. <laughs> yeah. um, no shooting, all driving, gritty vibes. Uh, he's the poster child. So definitely fitting that he's with the Johnnies. Yeah, no, I agree, man. All right. Well, I think this is a great spot to leave off. Uh, we will be back with a, a great pod early in the week. 
Um, I think this is coming. Yeah, this is coming out tomorrow or today on Sunday. Um, Jake, this is a blast, man. I'm looking forward to the next one. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. This is an absolutely fun time. If you have not already, be sure to go rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts at Tag the Roll. Follow us on Twitter at Tag the Roll as well. Um, follow Jake at Jake in the Paint, me at M Schindler NBA. Most importantly, so have a good rest of your day. Thank you for listening.